Well, nothing says welcome to church on Labor Day quite like this morning's readings. In today's gospel, Jesus offers a stark challenge to all who would be his disciples. The message is straightforward. Hate your family, give away all you have, and be willing to die. Quite the rallying cry for the crowd of onlookers. And it's no less shocking for us today. This message may be straightforward, but understanding it is difficult. And this is because Jesus' message here seems to conflict with other things that he said. Love your neighbors, enjoy God's provision, and live the abundant life. So why is he laying out such a stark vision of discipleship to this crowd? The context of our gospel can help us figure out what's going on. For our passage is the second episode in Luke chapter 14. In the first episode, Jesus is invited to dinner at the house of a prominent Pharisee. And he tells them a parable. The kingdom of God is like a host who invites his friends and co-workers to a banquet and prepares lavish food. But on the day of the banquet, everyone sends an excuse. I'm too busy with work, I just got married, and so on. So the host goes out into the streets and invites the poor and the outcasts, and they rejoice at being included. The kingdom of God, then, is a banquet given to anyone who is willing to accept. So the first episode in Luke 14 clarifies who's in the kingdom, and since it's anyone who's invited by God, this appealing message begins to spread, and a crowd gathers. So in the second part of Luke 14, Jesus raises the stakes. He explains what's required of the disciples who enjoy this kingdom that they are given. And he says, hate your family, give away all that you have, and be willing to die. Before I take each of these claims in turn, I need to say that Jesus is speaking hyperbolically here. And there's a long tradition of this in ancient wisdom teachings. For stark language like this is intended to alter our priorities and to change our hearts. To use a non-biblical example, Aristotle says that if you have a piece of wood that bends to the left, you have to bend it all the way to the right and hold it there for a while in order for the wood to be straight. Jesus is doing something similar with the crowd. And his speech is clearly not a marketing pitch. <laughs> He's actually trying to dissuade the casual follower. His message is more like a military commander who says, the next mission's a challenge. Put your affairs in order. Say goodbye to your family. Give away what you have. Be prepared for whatever might come. So let's look at his three claims. First, Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple without hating father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. This is a shocking claim, especially since God commands us actually to honor our parents and to love others. So is Jesus really asking us to despise our family? 
To be clear, Jesus uses the hyperbolic language of hate to reshape our priorities. He elevates loyalty to God over family ties, and those are often the strongest bonds that we have. So he needs to say something strong to shake us out of that. The hatred he has in mind is not harsh treatment or negative feelings, but making sure that the people we love don't keep us from living the Christian life. In fact, he makes clear that by prioritizing God's kingdom, his disciples actually love rightly. They even love their enemies, which requires a major change of heart. So the first characteristic is that disciples hate their family so they can love God above all things. This doesn't mean disciples are nasty. It means they're not distracted. And in Luke chapter 8, Jesus says, My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. That's what it means to be part of God's kingdom. Now, loving God in this way can be costly. Some are disowned by their families for following Jesus. But he wants them to know that what they'll gain is life with God, who satisfies all their desires. So that's the first point. Next, Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple unless you give up all your possessions. Now, it's true that Peter, James, and John, and the other early disciples left everything and followed Jesus. But other early Christians like Lydia were wealthy and offered tremendous support for the growing church. So what does Jesus have in mind here? Is he actually asking all of his followers to embrace total poverty? Again, Jesus is using hyperbolic language to make an important point. To prioritize God's kingdom, we must be willing to give everything away. In saying this, Jesus recognizes that concern for our possessions can actually become a dominant force in our lives. We often care more about our things than about God and people made in God's image. So the best way forward is to give, to use our possessions for the good of others. Now it's true that some are called to give everything away. St. Francis, St. George, and many others have lived lives of voluntary poverty. But the main idea here is that disciples are called to break our attachment to our possessions. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus says. So the second characteristic is that disciples give away all their possessions so they can love God and neighbor in concrete ways. And in doing so, Jesus wants us to know that disciples actually gain fellowship with God. They gain fellowship with those who are in need. And they're also set free from anxiety about status and stuff. So we should see this as a net gain. Finally, Jesus says, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We all know that most of Jesus' first disciples, other than John, 
And many Christians throughout history have been martyred for their faith. So is this necessary to follow Him? This is a serious question, and Jesus poses it because He wants to know, what is your ultimate priority? What do you care enough about to take up a cross? We live in a time and place where it's much more likely that we will get distracted by the demands of family and work than actually risk life and limb for the faith. But all of us are called to take up the cross, especially in the sense of dying to selfishness. And this means altering our view of the world. The key point that Jesus is making is that we should prioritize God and God's people rather than live for ourselves. This avoids pride as well as the posture of false humility that Malone discussed in his sermon last week. These two traits are on the opposite extremes, the self-exaltation of pride and the self-debasement of false humility. Both are actually focused on the self rather than on others. Now, Jesus wants His disciples to find the middle course, and we do that by praying, Thy will be done, not my will be done. Dying to self in this way is a major challenge, yet we gain the joy of life with God. What could be better? Dying to self also has practical benefits. Many of you probably know this, but psychologists have found that by focusing on the gifts that we receive and by serving others, we're actually a whole lot happier than we would be if we just focused on ourselves. That's one way to understand how dying to self can actually lead to a more abundant life. So in conclusion, Jesus isn't looking for superficial followers who hang around for a season. He tells the crowd that's gathered to hear him that he wants disciples who love God and neighbor. And so he lays down his three conditions. You cannot be my disciple without hating family, giving away all your possessions, and being willing to die. Jesus wants us to do this to avoid getting distracted and missing out on the kingdom where the abundant life of God's justice and peace awaits. Many of you probably know that our parish mission statement is receive, live, and share the abundant life of Jesus Christ. That's actually Jesus' vision of discipleship without the more hyperbolic language from the gospel today. Receiving involves rearranging our priorities to love God above all things. Living entails dying to all the things that control us, so we're set free in Jesus Christ. And sharing enjoins us to use all that we have to bring others into the abundant life with God. So in this week ahead, Let's wrestle with this vision of discipleship. Let's see where God is calling us and where we can get plugged in. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.